Hello everyone and welcome back to the Weekly Whitney Bacon Wire Podcast. I'm Lucas Whitney, joined as always by my lovely wife Cassie. Hello everyone. Got a pretty full docket today so we'll just get right into it. Uh, happy belated 4th of July to everybody. We're recording on Sunday the 5th. This will probably drop Monday the 6th. Um, hope everyone had a fun and safe time and stayed as cool as possible considering it was felt like it was 95 degrees pretty much every day lately. Yeah, at least here in Southwest Michigan. Yeah, we just kind of relaxed and stayed inside, and that was about that's about all you can do right now. It's it's pretty unbearable out there. The humidity is what always is hard, I think, in Michigan. Yeah, and the air quality alerts are on right now too. So if you have respiratory problems, you shouldn't be outside. I always know about the air quality and humidity based on how big my hair is. <laughs> Since it's Fourth of July or Fourth uh, of July recap. I just wanted to say real quick that the best 4th of July movie, the best top movie around this time of the year is Independence Day. It's still a banger. I watched it last week when I was at home. It was still incredible, still holds up. It's not like a masterpiece or anything, but it's a really fun blockbuster movie with good humor, great action, and great special effects. And it just has a a well-done mixture of science fiction and action. I still love that movie. I mean, as far as 4th of July movies, I can't think of too many. No. Legally Blonde 2 has that really great line where she's dressed really patriotic and Paula says, You look like the 4th of July and made me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> Never seen it. So, I'll take your word for it. Well, Pretty good. you missing out. And I'm just going to ignore the sequel to the movie because I enjoy the sequel, but I know it's pretty much universally panned and hated so i'm just gonna leave it alone and pretend it didn't exist for this time the great hbo comedy that's one of the best comedies the last 20 years curb your enthusiasm got renewed for for an 11th season this past week larry david said i'm sorry i have to deal with this again i have to deal with this show and i think he just is joking around because he obviously loves doing it but i'm really excited because i thought this last season was pretty solid it started out not that great, but he ended it really well. I'm, I'm glad there's more coming. Well, number one, I think he's the kind of guy that if he didn't want to do something, he wouldn't be doing it. He doesn't really mess around that way. Right, he'd just go, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And then number two, watching Larry David navigate this highly sensitive, maybe is a good way to say it, air, like pop culture that we live in, is pretty interesting and funny. Yeah, it'll be funny to see him tackle COVID-19 and... Maybe some, not the protest stuff, but maybe like the canceling people and all that. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to be a big part of season 11. Yeah. That's a really funny show. If you haven't watched it, give it a shot. It's not for everybody, but it ends up, it 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 very rarely misses for 10 seasons of a comedy. Someone who's like so far not the biggest Seinfeld fan, and he is the creator of Seinfeld, I think that the show is really funny because it's awkward situations more than that particular brand of humor. So right. it's more like, what would you do if you were in that situation? Or like, who is right and who is wrong? Yeah. It's uh, a good show. Yeah, phenomenal. On HBO, HBO Max. And we're currently going through, We can you can burn through this show in a weekend, Eastbound and Down on HBO. It stars Danny McBride as Kenny Powers, who is just this misogynistic, racist, bigoted, douchebag asshole who very rarely does the right thing for some reason you can't help but cheer for him 
It's almost like he's such a bad person that you're just waiting for him to be good. Like, instead of breaking bad, you're waiting for him to break good. Yeah. <laughs> like, and because he has, like, this woman in his life who obviously loves him a lot. Well, I will say, like, there's worse people in the world. Like, he's, yeah. he's not, like, a murderer or, like, a rapist but, or anything. But, like, he's he's the kind of person who, if you met him in real life, you'd call him an asshole to his face and then never <laughs> want to be around him again. Imagine Kenny Powers right now. He, they'd be rocking the, the Trump Oof. stuff big time in this in a new season. Yeah, I don't think I want to imagine that. Yeah. It's a great show, though. It's 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 set in the summer. Every season is set in, like, the summer, and it, you can feel the hot climate through the TV. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really funny, and it's actually critically acclaimed. Like, you wouldn't think it was, but if you read the reviews and, like, you Google, like, top 10, top 20 comedy lists for the last 15, 20 years... It's always up there pretty high. It's just a really fun show to watch. It's It gets a little vulgar and extreme sometimes, but you still can't help. Like, you laugh at least, you belly laugh at least once every episode. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. That's on HBO. HBO Max, whatever the hell you want to call it. I just watched the new movie on Netflix called Desperados. <clears throat> it has... Nassim Penrad. Yeah, Nassim Penrad from... New Girl and Aladdin. New Girl, and she was an Aladdin. SNL. Um, yeah, she originally was an SNL cast member. It stars her... Lamorne Morris. Uh, Winston on New Girl. Yeah, I was going to say the, the blonde girl from Pitch Perfect. Oh, sorry. The one who's... I can't know. I don't know her name. But the it's about her and her two best friends who go to Mexico because her... Love life is in disarray, and she sent this really rude email to this guy who she thought kind of, like, ditched her and ghosted her, but he really, like, went into a coma in the hospital in Mexico. Hmm. So they go to Mexico to try to erase the email that she sent that was really nasty and to rude. Winston? No. Oh, to the other guy? Yep. And then she realizes stuff about herself along the way, of course, but what I thought was different about this movie than other movies was that... Her and her two best friends weren't totally in sync the whole time, and it kind of centered around how she is being self-centered and, like, dragged them to this, like, whole crazy, almost law-breaking adventure, when really she's not being a very supportive friend, because they have stuff going on, too. What would you give it score-wise? 70. So it's watchable? It's watchable. It's not something that's, like, groundbreaking or the best thing in the world, but it's, it's watchable. It's a good movie. Cool. It's an okay movie, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Now, it doesn't seem like it's up my alley, but I love Winston. So maybe if I'm really bored, I'll watch it. But I get a lot of my docket. I mean, I thought it was cool how they put them back together as a couple. Like, right. romantically after... Um, they were probably New Girl fans, whoever, made, whoever was getting ready to make the movie. Yeah, I think so, too. And, as I'm sure a lot of people did, we watched Hamilton on Disney Plus this past weekend... Or today, whatever you want to, whenever you're listening. Uh, very long, mo- uh, not movie, very long musical. It's like almost three hours long. Yeah. And there's a one minute intermission that's like more than halfway through the movie. Now I will say, when you go to the theater, that's pretty much how long they are. Right. I think I, it just feels different when you're sitting at home. Right. I mean, you can pause it and everything, but we didn't pause, we maybe paused it once. Well, they, I thought we actually had a little bit of a bet going if they were going to do an intermission or not. It was basically like, go pee and then come back. Yeah, they had like a one-minute intermission in the middle. I thought it was great. I'm not a big musical play guy, but I gave it an 85 out of 100. And 
What musical or plays have you seen? I've never really gone to a play. I feel like you have to go to one to say that you're not that person. Well, it doesn't seem that appealing to sit there for three, four hours, as opposed to sitting in a movie theater. It doesn't feel, it feels different when you're with live people. Okay. But I still give it an 85 out of 100. I thought it was a really well done musical. I'm going to say movie or musical. I'm going to slip up. And Lin-Manuel Miranda can write really well, but he he wasn't the best part of the show. It was uh, David David Diggs as mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Jefferson, and I forget, but he was a French man as well. Marquis something. Laferriere or something. Oh yeah, Lafayette. Lafayette, yeah, yeah. Mar- yeah, Marquis Lafayette. He was he was phenomenal. He could rap the hell out of those lyrics. Yeah. Phenomenal. I thought the woman who played Angelica also was, was pretty a good. very strong rapper as yeah. well. And Lin-Manuel was a good singer, but I don't think people came there for him. I think, I think once for you... For Lin-Manuel Miranda? Maybe that's think, a bad take. I think people hear his name and automatically think it's going to be something new and fun and interesting, mm-hmm. but I do reserve the same opinion as Lucas to where he can be a lot. Yeah. And I don't think that he means to be, but I don't know. Something about his energy... Is, is, like, a little bit is enough. Right. I, I like the other actors a lot better. Like, the guy who played Washington, George Washington was great. Mm-hmm. And Leslie Odom Jr., who plays uh, Aaron Burr, was phenomenal. Yeah. Really good singers. Absolutely. I give it 85, 100. I'd watch it again, but, like, I would take... I It'd be that type of musical, if I really wanted to watch again, I would watch it in portions. Yeah. I think that the, the music was super strong. I've personally never seen a musical... Where it's literally all music songs the entire time. Like there's right. zero dialogue outside of song form, which I think in this case because it was right, it was hip hop mixed in with it. It didn't feel as like long and drawn out as a lot of other musical tunes that you might you know hear. It flowed really well. It did flow well. I just really think it's interesting. I think it's a smart move on Disney's part to release this. A year and four months early because it was originally supposed to come out in October of 2021, mm. and they've been sitting on this film for four years. And Disney paid 75 million dollars to Lin Manuel Miranda and I think the other two producers who made the show. Why would you just sit on it for so long? What was the big deal? Well, they probably didn't think this outbreak, this COVID stuff, would happen. Maybe I mean, could give if, it more of a chance to run like live. Well, make put it in a movie theater. Oh. And make a shit ton of money. Yeah, that would, that would make sense. And I, I applaud them because I don't think they're really going to lose money on this. I think everyone's going to watch it. I think it's really nice of them to do that considering some people have started to bitch about the content on Disney Plus starting to lack a little bit until yeah. things start to get back to normal because we're going to get a couple new Marvel shows this year. Well, yeah, that's the thing about Disney Plus is it needs to go back to adult and kids shows. And yeah. right now it's like pretty heavy on the kids, which is what Disney is. But at the same time, that's also what we our family values about it is yeah. that it can speak to all um, generations. Disney Plus needs to think about getting more um, mature content on there and figure out a system to where kids can't just plop in and and watch it yeah i was gonna say i think that the historical accuracy or inaccuracy (laughs) it wasn't totally off base and i know that he wrote the screenplay Miranda did he wrote the whole thing off a book yeah yeah he wrote it off of a book about alexander hamilton but there the biggest one that i've seen criticism for was that alexander hamilton was really pro like abolishing slavery 
which in fact he was pro, but that wasn't like top on his list of things to do. Right. For a lot of those guys, it was just kind of like, uh, if I have to. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It wasn't, I don't know. I don't know what I would compare it to nowadays. I mean, I cried a few times. because he cried like four times. The stuff about like their kid, you know, both. I cried when Alexander Hamilton and Burr, Burr were yeah. both singing about becoming fathers. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. And then, of course, when the tragedy happens with his son. I'd probably give it an 80. 80? I think the thing is it's not very rewatchable, but it is watchable for a time. Right. I don't think I'm going to sit down and like want to see it again anytime soon. Right. But I do think that the music was really awesome to listen to. And I appreciate that, you know, musicals are stepping outside of themselves a little bit and trying to be different. I was very happy to see it. I it, We have it free still through Verizon, so it cost us $0 as opposed to, uh, as opposed to $600 to see them yeah. live on Broadway. Yeah. <sighs> I guess, also, I guess my last thing would be that... I have never seen The Shining. I've gotten a lot of shit already from people on Twitter because I never watched it. I decided to last night because uh, my my mother-in-law, we couldn't really decide on a movie to watch yesterday. We can never decide on a movie to watch as a family. <laughs> like, your dad wanted Star Wars, your mom was just kind of like whatever, and you were kind of anti-Star Wars and a couple other things, and I was kind of anti a couple things. We brought up The Shining somehow. I think the in like the trailer for Doctor Sleep was on something. So we all decided to watch The Shining last night at her parents' house. It is a 1980 psychological horror film directed by Stanley Kubrick, based on Stephen King's book of the same name from a couple years earlier. It has a couple of iconic moments in it, like you know you see the twins in light blue dresses saying "Come play with us forever and ever and ever." And the hallway where the elevator spills out blood. Um, the music, I've seen the music spoofed a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Jack Nicholson bursting through a kit, or a bathroom door screaming, here's Johnny, mm-hmm. is so spoofed. Yeah. And, you know, I saw those parts, so I kind of, and I obviously saw the ending where he freezes to death because South Park spoofed The Shining for an episode. When they ran up, when Randy bought a Blockbuster. Oh, you remember that one? Yeah, I think I <laughs> They made it like the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. He started to see ghosts of people renting movies. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. It was really well shot. It felt like a, it didn't feel like a movie from 1980 unless you saw, obviously, how the hotel was decorated and how the people dressed. I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. And it wasn't like scary, scary. It was just like, messes with your head and like the imagery more than anything is what gets you and i gave it a 95 out of 100 i thought it was one of the best movies i've seen in a long time you've seen it before i watched it a really long time ago like by myself at home oh really? <clears throat> by yourself shit yeah i didn't really care for it then <laughs> and not because i was scared or anything but i just thought it was really long and boring so it wasn't my favorite back then but i rewatching it now I think it helps watching it with other people to kind of, like, play off of it. I enjoyed it way more this time. The music was phenomenal. It, it scored by two by Wendy, Carlos, and Rachel Elkind. And they use a lot of strings, I would say. Like, strings for some parts. 
like when Danny's looking at room 237, the strings are building up. And I don't know what they use for the... Like a synthesizer, maybe? Yeah, probably. The, the strings, though, strings can be really beautiful when played correctly, but when played wrong, they can really, <laughs> like, jar your head, and I think that's why a lot of horror movies use them. Right. I thought it was really well done. I was surprised you didn't get any Oscar nominations. I thought it would be for just how... I think some of the shots were innovative, and you were commenting on the tracking shots, because that's what I... I think I said that right away, didn't I? Yeah, and that was, I mean, back then, they didn't really have the, the tools. Like, when they had tracked a dolly, they had to actually lay down track. So I don't know how they pulled that off in some of those shots, because you don't see the track. I don't know, they just had a really sophisticated, skilled dolly on wheels, maybe, instead of on a track. Hmm. But typically, that's how a tracking shot was done back then. They were one of the first films to use the Steadicam. That might have been it. Like, one of the first films within, like, a three-year span. And that wasn't, like, one of the highlights for me, but... It was pretty impressive if they yeah. were, like, one of the first people to use it, they used it correctly. And it was interesting because, like, I've seen, you know, I've, some of the movies I love, like, Chris Nolan shoots a lot of wide frame like that. Yeah. And I can see where he got his inspiration from with... Because with, with, he's a big Kubrick fan. Mm. And... I am not. I haven't seen... I've only seen this in A Clockwork Orange. I just really like the way it's shot because it, you're, you feel the isolation that these three people are trapped in this hotel pretty much because of the snow. But the wide shots make it feel, you don't feel claustrophobic. Well, that's the whole point with the wide shot is it makes you feel the space. Hmm, okay. So you feel all the room. In like the, you're in the room. So that's where the isolation comes from because it's like this is the space. And this is you by yourself in this space. Like, like it's kind of like, imagine if you were this character. Yeah, so it's like showing the absence of other people. Hmm. And like, a lot of, in pretty much every frame. Interesting. And obviously, there's a, there's a Simpsons spoof of it called The Shinning. Because they couldn't say Shining because they might get sued. Oh boy. You remember that? It's a Treehouse of Horror, so I don't think you've seen it, but it's pretty good. Mm. We should watch that one. That segment. I don't really have anything else to say about it. I just thought... I don't like horror horror movies besides, like, Saw and maybe Halloween. I think what and you don't like is when it's just, like, a killer killing people. Killing jump scares. Like, I like psychological and, like, deep stuff, which is... This got pretty deep and, like, you know, all the... Ki- like, I wouldn't say Shelley Duvall's going insane, but she's just getting, like, nervous and stir-crazy. And Jack Nicholson is obviously just batshit crazy. Yeah, a dick. Like even like he's an asshole to them. I mean, even like minus his like little like hangups and like the part where he actually starts to be, you know, murderous. <laughs> he is a dick before that. Yeah, he was a prick to her when like she came down to check on him, and he was like, "Don't interrupt me when I'm typing. Even if you don't hear me typing, don't come in this room, okay?" Yeah. And he's like, "Now get the fuck out." Yeah, just like a dick for no fucking reason. Right. Just really, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I I do have to say that scene. I I thought to myself, I, I got I got tensed up when I that mean, scene it's, happened. It's not like he's in an office. It's not like he's in a room. He's in the whole freaking lobby. Yeah, like one like of the, the lobbies. The lobby that is like the whole bottom part <laughs> of the hotel. Okay, that's like that's like four four living rooms wide. <laughs> I don't, and he's like, don't come in here at all. Just, like, why? And 
That's separate from the fact that, like, she didn't even really want to go live at this hotel. Like, he purposely put his family in a dangerous situation, even taking away the fact that the hotel is, like, haunted and whatever. Like, it's still a dangerous situation to be isolated like that and be that far away from civilization for five months. I hate it. I couldn't do it. Could you? No. I mean, I don't think I'd have the worst time with it because we have TV and whatever now and, like, phones that could talk to people. I think more people there would make it better. Like, if it were a small group, I think it'd make it a little better. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think two people, even as close as you might be, you could probably get pretty annoyed with each other at certain times. But I'm not saying you and me, but, like, we want our away time from each other. You know that. Yeah, clearly. I'm just saying I think more (laughs) more than just the three of them would have made it more tolerable. I guess I just think to myself, like, he he purposely put them in that situation. That wasn't, like, a surprise or an and unknown thing like, at all. The interview, the guy who runs the place, the manager of the hotel, is like, uh, by the way, this guy got went crazy and killed his two daughters and his wife and then blew his brains out. He's like, cool, sounds good, let's do it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> He's like, huh, I kind of like this job a little bit more. It was really... Jack Nicholson, I haven't seen a Jack Nicholson movie in a long time. I can't remember the last, maybe Anger Management was the last time I saw like a, a new-to-me Jack Nicholson movie. He's, I forgot how great he was in this. His face, his those eyebrows are insane, and I feel bad for him balding it. He was pretty young back then. But well, it was just added to the crazy. Yeah, it, like I think if he had a nice toupee on, even though he'd be a piece of shit, he would, he would, uh, he would, he wouldn't look as menacing. And Shelley Duvall, I thought, was pretty bad. She, I mean, ah, her arms feeling, oh, Danny, she don't do that, Danny. She definitely plays the, like, helpless, I don't know what the F I'm doing kind of woman. Yeah. Very well. I was surprised when she locked him in that pantry. Yeah, she when she bashed him over the head and. But also couldn't stop thinking like you just locked up the killer with all your food. How are you gonna eat? You put him in the freezer. It's pretty much game over by the yeah, time I he mean, wakes that up. Yeah, that would have been the better choice, but you know whatever. A uh, great movie from a director I really haven't seen much from, and I understand why he's considered an icon. I don't know if I'm really gonna watch uh, Full Metal Jacket. I might try 2001: A Space Odyssey because I like science fiction. It's not good? Not to you? I haven't seen it, to be honest. Oh. Maybe we should watch it someday. But I've seen Full Metal Jacket. I've tried to watch A Clockwork Orange. Oh, that's a messed up movie. Can't watch it. Watch Um, it one time. You know, I've seen this. I just, I think that he thinks that he is just a god in cinema terms. And I think he's (laughs) way pretentious. Like, probably pretentious level goes him at top. Then maybe... James Cameron. I would actually say Michael Bay, Francis Ford, Co- Francis Ford Coppola beneath him, hmm. and then Cameron, James Cameron, and then Michael Bay. I think Michael Bay is a douche, but I don't necessarily think he's pretentious. Would you put Nolan underneath Cameron? Maybe one or two steps below. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your score for this movie? What would you give it? I give it for originality, which I have to. Uh, I attribute most of it to Stephen King because it's his story. I give it like an 80, 85. And that's, that's, like I said, mostly due to the story itself. I guess when I watched it 
initially, I thought that it was mainly a story of cabin fever gone wrong. And on the second watch, I really keyed into the whole actual The Shining part with the little boy and everything. Hmm. That made it a lot more interesting to me. Yeah. And yesterday I watched The Shining for the first time. To avoid spoilers for Dr. Sleep, I just end the pod right now. That's pretty much all we talk about till the end. And I want to apologize for my constant sniffling in this segment. For some reason, I just didn't feel like pausing it to blow my nose. Thanks again. And we watched Dr. Sleep an hour ago yep. on H. Uh, we own it, but you can stream it on HBO and HBO Max right now. Mm-hmm. It takes place 30 to 39 years after The Shining, with a little bit of flashback to right after it happened, mm-hmm. where Danny's basically going through PTSD and then starts to learn to cope with his gift obviously he struggles with it throughout life which i think would be understandable since you can pretty much talk to the dead and and kind of have telekinesis that's what that's the closest thing i think it could be considered he encounters this young girl who has an even more powerful shine than he does there's this i would say it's more mind control a little bit of telekinesis well telekinesis i think speaks to the fact that you can do things with your mind. Yeah. So they couldn't really, like, move a desk, but they could influence other people's minds. She moves spoons. That's a good point. Take that. Are you proud of yourself? (laughs) Had it in the chamber. I've read more Stephen King books than you. I can't read, so the joke's on you. (laughs) Danny Torrance, is he's like 30-something, and this young girl, pretty close to him, distance wise can she's young but she can like kind of understand what she does and she can talk to him but he's just like no i don't want anything to do with this and he's trying to get his life back together we flash forward eight more years and he's sober danny is sober about eight nine years putting his life back together as much as he can and this group is basically i'd say supernatural people who have lived a lot longer than they should they basically kill people who they can sense the shining in and take their soul. Specifically young people like children. Young boys and because girls. Because it's not influenced yet. And it's, and it's much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because once you get older, you know, like Danny had a drinking problem, it can be polluted by alcohol. Yeah, and other things. Yeah, and other things are just, just getting older or, like, doing bad stuff. Which I think that they, like, kind of allude to the fact that, like, if you had this ability, you would probably want to do drinking or drugs because it really messes with your mind. Right. So. They kind of team up to try to fight this group and stop them from taking her, taking the little, the younger girl. Because she's, like, 13, 14 when they finally meet up and do this battle. And it's just, I thought, I don't think it's going to be that great. And then I read the reviews were actually pretty decent. And I really enjoyed it. That was a really well done movie. It starts a little slow, but then it picks up. I thought it was really well done. Um, I did think that some of the... There's a scene in particular that I almost wanted to turn the movie off at. Particularly one little boy they kidnap to kill because he has the shine or whatever. Um, And they show them murdering him. And it's it's not just like... He's shot in the head and it's over. Or, like, they stab him once and he's dead. It's, it's pretty graphic and you see him in pain. And I really don't think that that was necessary. I think that that was... That was a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
that that kind of thing really bothers me, especially when it involves children. I don't think that was 100% necessary to, to see it in that detail. It was disturbing to see, and I understood seeing it because it made you want them to die even more, that group. It made you want them... It made you want to root against them even more. I get that, but when they... The thing is, is that when they say... They said a line right before they started to stab him, and they said... Or he said, will it hurt? And then... Yes, it will. Pain and fear are better. Make it come out more or something. Yeah, so something about, like, pain and fear make the... They called it steam. Made the steam that they sucked out of the, the people better. And so I think just saying that made them sound pretty evil. I don't think that we necessarily needed to see the boy in pain. I think that was a little much. No, if he were a couple years older, it wouldn't be as brutal. Yeah, I mean, he was like, like, looking like eight years old. It's Jacob Tremblay from that movie Room and um, Good Boys. Yeah. A couple other ones. So he's a face that you're familiar with, too, so that makes it even worse. Yeah. After that, I felt the movie started to pick up a lot more. Agreed. And it was, I give it a 90 out of 100. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I might watch it again. Maybe I'll watch The Shining again just to see if I catch any Easter eggs. I caught a couple of Easter eggs. Like, Abra's house is addressed 1980. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, and I'm sure that's just the surface. For a movie to be a sequel to a film that's as revered as The Shining, and for it to be almost 40 years later, I thought that was about as good as you can get. Yeah, they did a really good job, all things considered. I thought it was a really... It starts out slow. Which, again, you have to just attribute it to Stephen King because it's his story. Yeah, he made the... The uh, book came out in, like, 2013 or something. Yeah, 2013. And they've been trying to get a movie pretty much as soon as... or so, Yeah, as soon as the book got done. But they really weren't, like, accelerating it until it became a huge hit. And then they were like, okay, full steam ahead. Yeah. You had it, and then you had the Dark Tower, which sucked. It Chapter 2 and then Doctor Sleep within months of each other. And I think what makes Stephen King so great is the way he writes and the story he writes as far as horror is concerned. It really is psychological and it messes with your mind. So it's not just like, you know, like it. It's not just like, oh, he's a scary clown who's going to kill you. It's like, he's going to harness the thing you fear most and turn it against you. Yeah. And I think that's what Doctor Sleep does as well a little bit is that these demons that are specifically coming after you you know, are things that you've experienced. Right. Tra- your own traumas. Yeah. So you have to find your way to deal with them, which is healthy. Right. You know, so I think I think in that, it's, you know, not advertently, but inadvertently, he talks about mental health, which is kind of cool. And Stephen King, he's one of the all-time greats, and it's just weird. He has this, I don't think it's a fatuation, but a, a big theme in a lot of his movies is kids and kids getting hurt. And I think it's supposed to upset you. Like that, so it makes you more, I think it makes you a little more emotionally invested in the movie because you think about either your kids or like kids you know or just kids in general. Well, if we're going to talk about like the psychological part of it, we were all children once. Yeah. And in our mind, what has made us adults is what we've gone through. So it's like, it's kind of like getting back to the root of your trauma. It was really good. I, I wanted to go see it when it came out, but I just didn't get to it. Because I hadn't seen The Shining, and I just, for some reason, I held that off for so long. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how expanded on The Shining, like, you just kind of think it's like this telekinetic power in the first movie, and then in the second one, it's it's way more expanded upon. Like, it's 
like the steam, like your like this part of your body powers it, and it's basically yeah. like your life power. Yeah, it's almost like your soul. Yeah, but like your soul is more condensed or something if you have this power. Right. Something negative that we noticed about it, which we didn't really understand. Oh why. yeah, yeah. Um. So they do obviously flashbacks to like when Danny was little and in the Overlook Hotel. Um. But they didn't do. Like, his mom wasn't Shelley Long, his dad wasn't Jack Nicholson, you know, he wasn't played by the same child actor, which, that part I get because kids grow up, but I don't, I guess I don't understand why they couldn't use footage from The Shining in this movie. I don't understand that at all. They didn't want to approach Jack Nicholson to, like, they would they would de-age him, because they approached him for Ready Player One, when that's the scene in the Overlook Hotel, and he said no. Okay, so, but that was like a little small snippet of a story that wasn't even The Shining. But story. Jack Nicholson is apparently retired from acting, hmm. so that's part. That's probably it. Well, but that I guess okay. So, but you have that. So even if he didn't want to do that one scene where he comes back a little bit, I don't know why you could, still couldn't use. You couldn't okay. use the other. The director said we explored everything, and there were only really two options. I saw it. Are there going to be a performance or something that's digital? And even if we had Nicholson come back, based on the rules of the hotel and how the ghosts appear with respect to their age, he'd be performing the part through a digital avatar. And he felt the de-aging technology is still inadequate. The idea of having a digital Danny Torrance riding the bike five minutes in the movie seemed like we were making a video game at that point. It felt disrespectful. The best approach was not to do impressions. It was to find actors who would remind us of those iconic performances Without ever tipping into parody. I guess I still... I, I get it in some extent so that it's not chopped huh. up, but... Right. It felt weird. It felt weird. I'd say it was the, one of the main detractors of the movie because it be it, it hit a lot different if it's like... If you just see Jack Nicholson's crazy ass face like at the bar instead of I some mean, guy who's clearly a lookalike or tries to be. Right. And I mean... I don't know if it was just because we literally just saw it, so maybe it didn't hit everybody else the same way it hit us because they hadn't seen it in years and years. Right. But for us, that felt odd, especially considering it came from the same studio, it was the same author. Right. You know, that didn't make any sense to us. It was but still guess, a good movie. I guess, like, if you think about it, there were additional scenes that were not in The Shining that they had to come up with. Yeah. So their choices were use like clips of the old of the Shining movie and put it in here and then <clears throat> do a double in the same movie, which right. would have probably looked worse. Yeah, I I get his explanation, and I I think I think if they were able to get Jack Nicholson, or they thought they would, it would be different. Yeah, because he's definitely retired apparently from this article. Thought it was a good movie. A good set of movies. Shining, great. Doctor Sleep, really good too. Interesting way to expand upon the universe, and it didn't perform that well in the box office. So I don't know if we're ever going to get any more continuation. But you really don't need to. I think it's good the way it ended. I think it sort of speaks about how if you have this power, you can use it for good or evil. Right. You know, kind of like all powers. That was our recap of Shining and Doctor Sleep. What do you give Doctor Sleep? Mm, I'd probably give it an eighty. Eighty. Oh, something else I forgot to talk about. The main villain, Rose. Yeah, Rose the Hat. Uh, her accent changed throughout the movie. Oh, yeah, Rebecca Ferguson. Well, she started out very Scottish and almost, like, very delightful Scottish. Like, you could see how people would be, like, children especially would be intrigued because she sounds so different. 
And then she goes to be almost like an English accent. And then it's just American. So I She's didn't, Swedish, too, originally. So the I don't know if she just, like, sucks or what. I don't know what her deal is. But it wasn't cute, and it was definitely noticeable. <laughs> well, her grandfather is Scottish. So she's got a little bit of Irish in her, but, yeah, it wasn't that great. And if it was intentional, they didn't explain why or how. The only explanation, I think, would be it makes her more mysterious. That's but you don't crazy writing there. That's all we've got, unless you want to talk about anything else. I mean, who knows when the hell movie theaters are reopening. Yeah, we'll just have to keep watching what comes out. Well, drive-ins are definitely getting their resurgence. People are starting to go to those again. But I don't... I mean, honestly, like, I like... I think the idea of a drive-in is cool, but when it's hot outside and... You have to... You won't get done till like, 1 or 2 in the morning. You may as well just watch it at home at that point. Who knows whether the hell this stuff's going to come out. You know, tenant's still August 12th, but I'm not going to put money on it until it's, like, August 5th. Yeah. And it's, like, a week away, and they're like, oh, we're going to sell tickets for it. Then I will go, okay, it's really happening. Yeah. Whatever. Whenever it happens, it happens. Wish it came out on my birthday. Can't have everything you want. Yeah, you already have me, so it's kind of enough. That's what I thought. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pretty short pod. Just uh, around 40 minutes. That's all we got for you today, unless you have anything else to add, my oh, love. Do not. No? Nope. Okay. Well, we're going to sign out. Stay cool. Stay safe. Wear a mask stay, if you can. Stay cool, bud boy. Stay cool, bud boy. And wear a mask if you can. If you don't have breathing problems, please wear a mask. And if you have, if you lit fireworks yesterday, please clean them up. I saw a lot of pictures of parks around Michigan where people just lit off fireworks and didn't clean their messes up. You're an asshole if you do that. Sorry, you're just a prick. There's no rule, there's no code, code that says if you light fireworks, someone else has to clean them up. Clean your shit up. Because there's the it's on our street, too, at the end of the road. Same as littering at that point. Yeah, you're littering. Off my soapbox. So we will talk to you next week. And I'm sure we'll be watching some movies and maybe revisiting some old ones. We'll see what the hell happens. And that's what we do. Yeah, that's what we have to do right now. Hope Fingers crossed until August 12th. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at weekly underscore Whitney. Follow me at Lugwitz Brother. I changed my name due to some controversy with my old name. Instagram at Weekly Whitney Podcast. And follow our Facebook group. We hopefully get more discussion on there or anywhere in our outlets. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.